0: your, your, um, podcast reminds me there's a game that came out that Skybound released, um, Skybound, the guy, Robert Kirkman's company, uh, the okay. guy does Walking Dead. It's called Pitch Wars. And, um, it's sort of like car, a card game where, you know, you get these weird prompts and everybody has to pitch and then somebody picks the best one or something like that. So it kind mm. of reminded me of that. I, I own the game cause I, I teach screenwriting and I tried it one time with my class. They sucked at it. <laughs> I never played it again. Yeah. I <laughs> don't know. Students, I don't know how good we are at
1: pitching, but I mean, I think, I mean, so far we're, we've recorded 12 episodes. We've released nine. And I think, At least half of them are movies that I wouldn't mind seeing. I think, like, if it was written well and produced well, that I think would be (laughs) something fun to go watch. So that's mainly what we're aiming for, I think, is to come up with an idea that, you know, the listeners would be like, oh, that would be a fun movie to watch, right?
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: All right, so I was thinking since we have our guest Jamie Nash with us tonight, we'd go ahead and do a little Q&A session bonus episode and talk about his career and what he has going on and ask some questions and hopefully it's an engaging conversation. Uh so Jamie, if you wouldn't mind, why don't you just uh introduce yourself and, you know, kind of talk about what you've done in your career so far and what you have on the plate, you know, coming up?
0: Yeah, I know. Hopefully, it's an engaging conversation. That's a, that's the way to kick it off. <laughs> no, I, that's a way to inspire. <laughs> it's like the the speech in Animal House or something. Uh, no, how's it going? Uh, in pitch terms, I guess my life is the player meets Napoleon Dynamite. I don't know what that is. But, uh, I I'm a screenwriter. I I've been doing it for I don't know. A long time now, 15 years maybe, something like that. Uh, I've been getting paid for it for, I guess that's about the time that I've started to get paid for it. It was about 15 years ago, but I probably started before that like 30 years ago. And uh, I became a computer science major. And then of course, I broke into filmmaking and screenwriting. Um, (laughs) That's my advice to everybody, (laughs) go (laughs) into computer science. Mostly what I've done, I've done two very separate genres. Uh, I've done R-rated, very serious kind of festival indie horror. And I've done uh, Nickelodeon kids' movies. And they're my two genres. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're very similar.
1: uh, Yeah, I noticed that when I was kind of going (laughs) through your uh, your IMDb page that there's a very – different
0: <laughs> just there's two different like columns yeah, it, of, ba- of basically products. what it says is if you pay me I'll do I'll do the work <laughs> I don't, it I, am, I don't care anybody wants to pay me I'll I'm there I'm I'm there with the with my laptop mm-hmm. um I, I I think I wanted to be a comedy writer when I first started and right away I found out I just wasn't funny so then I went into horror and then later on I found out well I was funny enough for 12-year-old kids that's basically <laughs> what happened. To him. Uh, I think that's so what I wanted, the, yeah, the target,
1: yeah. right? Is to make a bunch of 12 year olds laugh. And then that's right.
0: That's right. So <laughs> yeah. I, I, I found that I was perfect for that. Uh, it, you know, it was kind of sobering on Nickelodeon when, um, you know, I, I've heard a script I thought was more like Goonies or something like that. Or, you know, there's, I'm wearing a Goonies shirt right now. Um, so I'm a big Goonies fan and, and those kind of movies, you know, monster squad or even the lost boys and in, in the r rated sense, was the Lost Boys R rated? I think it was. Um, but Nickelodeon said to me when they read my script, they said, "Wow, we never get a script like this. This is perfectly written for Nickelodeon." So, I that's how I found out I was I was perfectly um, suited. My sense of humor was perfectly suited for Nickelodeon. Uh, so, so yeah. So I I've been doing that in the last few years. And again, it's really that I I started in comedy. I uh, My first scripts were started to be horror comedy when I started to dabble because I was a big horror fan. And I was more of an Evil Dead 2 kind of person. Um, I'm a big Peter Jackson fan from the early days of Peter Jackson. Mm-hmm. So I like that style of horror comedy. Reanimator was a major mm-hmm. movie for me. Um, so I was dabbling in that. Uh, that was kind of my first step getting away from pure comedy was horror comedy.
1: You've been working with Eduardo Sanchez for a while now. And... and... Our listeners probably know him best for being the director of The Blair Witch Project, but he's done a number of movies since then, and the majority of them you've written,
0: correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I I think, no, I know. I mean, I know this is true. I, I haven't checked his IMDb today. Maybe snuck a credit on on there. But every movie <laughs> since The Blair Witch mm-hmm. I, I wrote. Uh, so, uh, but that said, he's he mostly works in TV now. Um, he He directs like every television show on. I, I know he's done mm-hmm. Supernatural this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he started with From Dust Till Dawn, um, Lucifer, he's done episodes of that, the new Nancy Drew show. I mean, he does all kinds of stuff <laughs> now. So he spends his year now mostly doing television. That said, I think right now at this second, I have at least three or four projects going with him if they if they get greenlit. They're all in various stages of development. So we're still working working together. The first movie that I had produced... Was a movie called Altered, which was, um, this fits right in with the pitching side. I, I pitched it as a reverse alien abduction movie. Instead of an alien abducting rednecks, I pitched it as rednecks abducting <laughs> an alien.
1: <laughs> I watched a number of your movies over the weekend, and Altered was definitely my favorite. But I have a soft spot for alien movies, and I thought okay. it was definitely how I kind of flipped that around and turned it into this rednecks abducting aliens was, was a really interesting take on it that I hadn't really seen before. So.
0: Yeah. One one of my um, strategies that I used to use to come up with concepts was kind of the dark night in a strategy. It's like, what's the story 20 years later? That was mm-hmm. one of my strategies I'd commonly use. And I tapped into that in a few things later on, I had a script that Blumhouse actually picked up that never got made. That was, um, it was The Exorcist. Twenty years later, you know, what if Reagan was thirty, forty years old? And mm-hmm. it turned out the Exorcist TV show did like the same same storyline. Uh, so that that killed that project. But there was a common. That's, I have a bunch of common like little tricks that I use when I'm when I'm coming up with concepts. So that was Fire in the Sky. Twenty years later, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think that's kind of how I came up with that. No, that was, was our first
1: really interesting take on it, and I I enjoyed that movie.
0: Yeah, good, good. Not too many people have seen it because it, um, when it came out, it was this weird transition period when D- DVD was going away. You know, it was, the, mm-hmm. it was that strange middle ground between Blockbuster and Netflix streaming, um, where Netflix streaming wasn't quite there and Blockbuster was dying. So uh, at the time, I remember Universal, Universal kind of buried it. Nobody really saw it. And then it kind of has a resurgence now among the real parts connoisseurs. Um, not to pitch my own movie, but it's got some really <laughs> cool effects. Um, a company called Spectral Motion did all the effects um, and they're all practical. So yeah, in my opinion, it's worth watching for that alone.
1: I, I recommend it as well. I've actually, it's been on my list of movies to watch for a little while before you being on our show, just because I have a you know, affinity for uh, UFO, alien movies. I watch right. all of those, no matter, you know, what they're rated or whatever. I'm just like, I, I watch them. I've watched most of the crappy, like really, really, really bad uh UFO documentaries on Amazon <laughs> they're just like my wife's angry at me because I've ruined our Amazon queue with, that, with that. just like so like a, a good uh you know alien uh sci-fi horror is 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 always entertaining to watch so um one of the things that caught my eye on your INDB and I and I read the synopsis and I watched there's a trailer for it it was uh this animated movie about uh the superhero, the dad. Uh,
0: oh, for sale bought, by superhero?
1: Yeah, yeah. For sale by superhero. I kind of wanted to talk about like what, what happened with that because it seems like, you know, Amazon bought the script and made a, a working like
0: test film. Mm-hmm. So it, it was a weird time in Amazon history, a weird footnote that's long forgotten. <laughs> where Amazon first got into the game, they decided they were going to like crowdsource development. So they sponsored these contests with huge prize money behind it. So every month, when I say huge, I mean, it's not billions of dollars or anything, but every month they were giving away, I think, two $20,000 best screenplay prizes. If you um, posted a script up there, then they had prizes for test movies. If you made a test movie, you could win $200,000. Obviously to make a test movie, there wasn't there weren't a lot of people in this competition. So mm. if you caught on to it and you had the ability to do it, you could pretty you had pretty good odds of winning two hundred thousand dollars. And I actually knew a guy who won twice. I was already a professional screenwriter at the time and I caught wind of this like late in the game. Uh, it had been going on for a year and it was winding down. This would be the end of it. I actually put two scripts up there. One was for sale by superhero and one mm. was another one called the the detourist. Yeah. They both, they picked both of those up, which meant first I won their $20,000 prize. But secondly, they actually optioned those scripts and put them in development. So they hired me to do some rewrites. Both of those scripts were, were rewritten and both had test movies made for them. The test movie that you saw was actually made by like a professional company.
1: I only saw the trailer. I couldn't find a test movie anywhere.
0: I don't think it's out anymore. I think they buried it. Yeah. Quite honestly, the test, it was a really weird idea because what they did was they'd make the test movies and then they'd post them for the world to see and you were supposed to like vote on them. But Mm -hmm. the world isn't used to watching test movies. So it was really hard to get any appreciation as like the, if you ever do a test of a feature film and you've heard these stories where the slightest change makes a huge difference. Like you literally cut one line of dialogue or put something back in, it changes everything. Well, these movies just were incomplete movies. I mean, they weren't quite edited properly. The the animatics were okay, but they were sketchy. Um, They were hard to watch and they would just put them up there live. And they were cool for me because Mm. there were some great artists like doing the illustrations and stuff. But for most people, they were like, "This is the shittiest animated film I've ever watched," <laughs> um, and they wouldn't be wrong when you compare them to a completed animated film. These these were much more like the things you see, like not to compare it to this, but like when you see Toy Story going through the phases. That they, this would be phase one. This would yeah. be like first draft mm-hmm. phase one. Don't don't even show this on the DVD. That's that's kind of what they were. So
2: yeah,
0: Amazon went through that phase. Gave away millions of dollars. Like I said, the one guy I knew, he made like $450,000 or something off of two test movies and a couple wins with screenplay in a year. So they had a lot of money. And then they hired somebody that really knew what they were doing, and they shut the whole thing down. Mm-hmm. And now it's not, you know, now we have Marvelous Miss Mazel. Things like
1: that. <laughs> I right, they did a test pilot screening <laughs> program when um, around the time that Man in the High Castle was coming out. Because I remember I watched. They, they still do it. Yeah, they still do it. I watched yeah. that pilot like six months before the rest of the show came out. They just put it out and had people vote on them.
0: The Boys was like that too. Yeah. I know they had mm-hmm. an early screening of that.
1: So, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I thought that that idea, though, the for sale by superhero, the, the movie concept seemed pretty cool. And I'd actually probably enjoy that movie a lot if it was a fully animated feature. So it's too bad that it didn't go further than what it did.
0: And the pitch, since that's what you do, the pitch to that was um was basically this family moves into a house that used to be Bruce Wayne's house. But Bruce Wayne dies in the first 10 minutes of the movie, essentially. And they move into the house and the house has the bat cave in it. So it's a little bit like um, like in the Blake Snyder Save the Cat World, they call them out of the bottle movies. A movie like, um, I'm trying to think, Bruce Almighty or mm-hmm. something like that. Except the family uses all the Batman toys to, you know, to have a better life. So, you know, deal with bullies and become the popular kid and do that kind of stuff. The dad's driving the car around. Um, it's kind of like the Bundys from Married with Children move into the house. And they just start, you know, using all Batman's tools for fun.
1: Okay. The Adventures of the Teenage Dragon Slayer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that a Nickelodeon thing? Or that was, that was, it was a similar so, no, kids,
0: kid's movie. It, it's kind of hilarious. Another, like, one I thought I was writing Goonies and it ended up being something different. So that one was... Uh, it's very that was very early in my career, mm. and it was probably my first time I dabbled in that kind of that kind of movie, that kind of genre. The interesting thing about it, I wrote like a thirty million dollar movie, and this guy came and optioned it again early in my career. He was in he lived in Albuquerque, and he was like, "We're going to make this movie for two million dollars," and I was like, "Okay, two million dollars, I guess I can see you know you can stretch money in independent levels. It doesn't have to be a big Hollywood movie." Mm-hmm. The movie ended up getting made for two hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, and starred Leah Thompson and uh, yeah, and basically all of her cast from Caroline in the City were in it, okay. <laughs> along with like directed by one of the guys from it. And that's that's a good example of a movie. It's very similar to the script and structure I wrote, with some things edited out, but the tone is massively different than I would have mm. ever expected. Mm -hmm. So, so tonally, it's like a different movie. So I'm like, well, it's not the movie I would have made, but it kind of looks like the movie I wrote, (laughs) you know? So it's, it's, it's very similar, but (laughs) it, you know, it just went, and and at that budget level, they almost had to go for that. Um, it's not a movie that probably had any business to be made at $200,000, but somehow they pulled off some movie and God bless them for pulling
1: that Mm -hmm. off. I would definitely say that (laughs) the the plot. you know, deserved a bigger budget with some better actors and better production quality there. And I think it would have been a much better movie with a little bit more money behind it. Probably
0: needed $15 million or something like that. But, you know, I'm always impressed with movies that, um I have to say, uh the fact that they pulled it off at all for $200,000 impresses me. Mm-hmm. Um, anytime anybody
2: can. There's probably <laughs> yeah. a lot of favors it, with that because that it was looked a, like... <laughs> <laughs> like they definitely yeah. called in some buddies, yeah. buddies for no, it was. Uh, it, you definitely Bass,
0: have yeah. to i mean it's all consuming that's why i um for them to pull that off at that level is um and when I say pull it off, you know to whatever result, but pull it off at all is very impressive at two hundred thousand dollars. it's not a movie that should be made at that level. It's like saying, let's make Star Wars. <laughs> OK, we got 50,000 bucks. Was, yeah, you know, it's, right. kinda, it's, it's something yeah. like that. I noticed uh, there were
1: some parallels there with, uh, with the new Pixar movie, Onward. I feel like there were some similarities in plot and, yeah. uh, and other things about it.
0: When I watched Onward, uh, when they had the cards, the card game yeah. and stuff like that, I was like, wait a minute. I know this. this, looks <laughs> yeah, <you> know this. <laughs> uh, I was like, I remember this. Yeah, not exactly, but, but pretty close. It's funny that you say that, because I don't think I ever voiced that to anyone. You know, I didn't say, they ripped off my movie. Uh-huh. But uh, when I <laughs> yeah. when I watched it, I did notice <laughs> that. It rang some bells.
1: I think you can come to those uh, those types of <laughs> places separately oh, or independently. Sure. I, so, I don't think
0: anybody on Onward saw Adventures of a Teenage <laughs> Dragon <laughs> <player>. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but uh, it's still uh, kind of funny, <laughs> those, those connections. There. Yeah, for sure.
3: Some of the people that listen to this podcast are aspiring screenwriters. Maybe... Just comment a little on why you love screenwriting, why you keep doing it, and then maybe any word of advice you might want to impart on the listeners who consider themselves to be aspiring screenwriters.
0: Why do I love doing it? That's a good question. I mean, I've always been creative and I've always wanted to make stuff. Novels are a lot of words. They're a lot of words. (laughs) I've done a couple novels now, but it, (laughs) it, it, it took me many years before I could get to a novel. I can write a screenplay in like a month or a couple weeks. It's not a huge time commitment to revise it, to make it good. It takes, you know, three more months, six more months another year. But if I come up with an idea today, I might actually have it ready by like July 1st. I think that's what I love about it most is there are these they're long form. They're not shorts, but I can actually write something that fast. And so it's a great way for me to express my creativeness. I've done novels, I've produced and directed movies. That's the hardest by far. That's the thing that takes the longest for me that I need to work on many different projects. And that's, that's me. Like I, I can't, when I'm on a movie, I almost get depressed because I'm like, Oh, what did I do? I'm still working on this, this mm. stupid thing. you know. I could have written three screenplays by now, but with screenplays, I can write those three screenplays. I can do six a year, seven a year. I can do pitches. I can do all that stuff. So that that's what attracts me to screenwriting the most. I also love movies and I love television shows, so that, that doesn't hurt. Any advice to give to people? So right now, television is the advice. Um, go into television. Try to get in a writer's room. I think that's like 80% of the jobs are television gigs. Uh, the downside of that is you have to move to LA to be on television you can't do that from wherever you are i've made a career here in maryland and i'm really that's even rare to make a film career from maryland but if you want television you have to be in LA uh so but i think it's like 80% of the jobs right now that's the that's the place to be so if you're thinking about it think about that but you don't have to go there now you know write 20 screenplays before you do figure it all out then then when you're so good, you have to move to L.A., you can move to L.A.
2: So. <laughs> that sounds <laughs> <Yeah>. good.
1: <laughs> so what's kind of your thought process there when you come up with an idea and how do you decide which ideas, you know, worth going the extra steps to write the script for? And, and you know, what what kind of inspires you to take that step? Because, I mean, we've come up with, you know, 10 ideas or 12 ideas in the past uh five months and none of us are like, you know, itching to write about it. And, and, and I think that I wish I could do that. (laughs) I wish I was kind of the person that would take an idea and go all the way forward with it. And I'm kind of wondering what, what your process is there.
0: It's evolved actually. It's quite evolved. So when I first got into it, it was always really obvious. The next thing I wanted to work on, but at this point I've written something like 80 completed feature-length screenplays. And that doesn't count treatments, synopsis, novels, almost all those things I was burning to write, I've, I've written. You know, they've, they're done. So now I'm, I'm probably more clinical about them. There's certainly ones that bubble to the top. Some of them are timeliness. Some of them are just about, you know, have I done this before? I, I can't tell you how many haunted house scripts I've written. I've written so many. Mm-hmm. You know, it's I can barely figure out the new angle on it. So a lot of times with me, it's it's that kind of thing. But I, I think the advice I usually give, and I, I try to follow this advice now myself, is try to find things you're interested in to write about. So something you want to research, something that excites you even beyond the screenplay. You know, it's less write what you know, but I, I heard this somewhere, write what you want to know is, is kind of a really cool thing. So if there's an arena, you know, I was just talking to a friend of mine, I'm a I grew up being like a pro wrestling fan and I'm a big fan of the pro wrestling business, like podcasts and things like that. So uh, there's a script I want to write that, that is in the pro wrestling business. So that might be one I choose because I like to read those books and I like to listen to those podcasts and things like that. I like stand-up comedy. I'm, I might like to write a script about stand-up comedy one day and, and read those books and uh, listen to those podcasts. I would choose something that you're really interested in in that regard. And at first, for me, it was probably enough to say I'm interested in horror comedy. You know, I, I like extreme R-rated horror comedy. But that's what I mean. I, I've kind of blown through my 20 horror comedy scripts. So I've done that. Now it's even as much goes to subject matter. Some Sometimes it's personal stuff, things like that. But during your first early scripts, it might be enough to just say, I want to write a really funny comedy. And this is a funny idea. And I think that's a good enough reason to write something. Here's the other key thing you have to know about screenwriting. Most of your screenplays aren't going to sell. And most of them aren't going to do anything. Nobody's going to care. But even the ones that are really good and do something for you, they might just introduce you to people. They might just be writing samples for people to hire you. Just keep that in mind when you, when you write them. You know? So that's why you should really pick things you're interested in, as opposed to things you think will sell or something like that. Because a lot of times it's just about the writing, the flavor, and the voice you bring. And it's not really about whether it's going to sell or not, because so few scripts, I mean, I think the numbers are staggeringly low. Like there might be 20, you know, new writers that sell a year or something in their options and Mm -hmm. whether they get made or not. It's very small, you know, out of the probably hundreds of thousands to millions of people that write screenplays every year. So write it for yourself.
2: Yeah. A cousin of mine uh, used to read through tons and tons of scripts to give to an agent who would then put this in a contest to get funded. And she told me that over a six months period, she would get about 400 and there was, there was someone else doing another 400. And so she'd go through as many as she could, but then she'd like find everyone else in the, in the house, (laughs) her friends, you got to read 30 (laughs) scripts and let me know what you think of them. Because, like, there's just so much being produced, it's ridiculous.
0: Yeah. I mean, most of those people go home with 20, 30 scripts every weekend that they have to browse through. And they can't read all those. They flip through a few pages, Mm -hmm. figure them out. And then some of them might grab their attention and they might take a deeper dive. And their job really is to read them so their Mm -hmm. boss doesn't have to. So if they're going to stick their neck out for one, Mm -hmm. it's got to be exceptional.
2: You know? Yeah. And And it's got to grab them, like, early, you know? Yeah.
0: It, it, timing's a big part too. So, you know, if they're mm-hmm. looking for a horror a horror movie like um Don't Breathe for example, mm-hmm. that seemed to be the hot one for a while. And somebody comes in with one the weekend they're looking for the one that looks like Don't Breathe, and they don't already have Don't Breathe in the pipeline or in <laughs> Don't Breathe. That's, you know, it's all those things have to work. And yours is the best script and it's the right reader for yeah. your script and you know, all these mm-hmm. things have to line up for you to really get a sale.
1: So like when you're yeah. starting your process of writing, you know, I've read a lot that ninety pages, hundred pages, you can just you know try to write a page a day for you know a few months and you have it done, right? Is that something that you've latched onto, or is that something that's just kind of like you write at your own pace? And, and yeah,
0: I I write, I definitely write every day. I write every day. Um, I usually have several projects spinning. So if you look at me today, I spent several hours on the phone working on a pitch for a franchise I'm doing in like a week. That was part one. I worked on some notes from an actor who sent, who has an idea they want me to do, and I had to send them notes back. So that was number two. I rewrote 25 pages of a script that I got notes from my manager. That was number three. So I did all that today. I, I'm not a big fan mm-hmm. of the one-page-a-day thing because what I've noticed when I do that, like I notice this when I write novels. If I, if I don't finish something, like if I can't go end-to-end end in like a week, I start losing the voice or the plot, you know, I start Mm -hmm. losing it. So I feel like if you take too long, whatever you're on, on page 70, you've kind of forgotten by page one. Actually, my advice against that is just to start on page one. Like I, I've heard writers that do that. And I kind of do that when I work with others, when I, when I co-write, I tend to start with page one every time. So I'd write, you know, my 50 pages, I'd send it over to you. You write 10 pages I'd start with page one and then re- rewrite all those mm-hmm. and then go to page 70. Because I think you'll lose it when you only write one page a day. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just not a fan. I, I, this is just me personally. I'm sure it works for some people, but I, I can't do it that way. I have to do a lot more than that. Yeah, one. that makes sense. Yep.
3: No, I understand, like, as an editor, personally, I can't really get going till the the first little bit of music is there. Mm. Yeah. And that really sets the whole tone for everything. Oh. Mm-hmm. And I can't really piece it together till I have... That little bit to kind of set it in my mind, what's the feeling? Yeah, that... I completely understand what you're that, saying. That makes
0: sense. I've had a few movies that were, like, comedic, and well, I've sat and watched them with people in the room, and they don't know to laugh sometimes until the first big laugh or that music comes in or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it's a little... You know what I mean? It, it's definitely something that yeah. sets the stage.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I have a, a couple ideas that I've, I've been... Often on writing, and I have such a vivid image of the end, but the beginning I don't really have. Have you ever started writing at the end and kind of cycled back once you better define what that
0: ending is? By by the way, that's what most of the good writers will tell you to do. They'll say figure out the end and then write to it. Um, They say that's a big. So I think you're a step ahead by doing that. I tend to be a beginning person. I tend to be the person that comes up with the hook, and I know the hook, and I know how to grab your attention. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes I come up with after I figure that out, then I might go to the end. I kind of have a general idea where to go to. But I think until you figure out the end, you can't really figure out like the theme of it. You can't figure out the character arcs. You can't figure out what you want to say with something. Yeah. So I definitely think it's critical at some point. And Some writers, me in my early career, I probably wrote the whole thing. Then I had to go, I figured out the theme by the end. You know, I figured out the character arc at the end through writing it. I I realized what my dialogue was doing and what all those things. Then I had to rewrite it, you know, based on what I learned writing it. But if you can come up with a really good ending and it's really strong first and write to that, I think you save yourself a lot of trouble. So I think it's really smart. I'm not as good at it, uh, to be honest.
1: And the other thing I wanted to ask, and this is maybe just more from my my experience. So some of your... Credits are story by and some of them are screenplay by and I and I understand what the difference is, but is there a big difference in process there in terms of what you have to do when you are just writing a story versus writing you know the dialogue and the and the script out?
0: Yeah, <clears throat> it's a complicated answer to that in that those were pre WGA scripts. So once you get into the Writers Guild, there's a whole bunch of rules surrounding who gets what credit. Um, the guild decides. However, in those scripts, the contract decided or whatever, or the deal decided. So in a lot of those like that I can think of, they were ones I might have written the first draft. Mm-hmm. Um, and then somebody else wrote 10 drafts after that. And we just did a handshake to be like, okay, I get story buy and you get this. Okay. But for the most part, they were just negotiated. The only one I can think of that I ever just wrote a treatment for, I wrote the initial outline to a movie called um, Seventh Moon. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did a, you know, I did a big long treatment and then I handed that over and Eduardo Sanchez wrote the screenplay to that. And that's basically, and we just did a handshake. Well, I came up, I wrote the treatment, you wrote the screenplay. I'll get the story by, you get screenplay.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. That one has Amy Smart yeah. in it, right?
0: That's the one with Amy Smart.
1: Yep. Yeah. Paul and I have met her in person a couple of times.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. She touched my butt. Oh no. Yep. <laughs> Scoop
3: a hell of an <laughs> accusation
1: <laughs> her, her husband carter osterhaus he's like an HDTV guy and he uh okay. was doing some charity thing that we did that we've done work for there they were a client of ours so amy smart was around on a number
0: of those shoots they shot that in hong kong so that's like the one movie okay. i never went in the setup i think it's mm-hmm. the only one one of my movies well that's not true the nickelodeon ones i'd never go on the set they're in <laughs> they shoot those in um Vancouver. I think you get arrested for being a pedo or something. If you <laughs> no, um, it would be a little creepy if I was like, I want to be on the set. No, it wouldn't. It wouldn't be. Cause I, it's my movie, but still I never went on those and I never went to Hong Kong. I almost made it to Hong Kong, but not quite. So
2: do you, do you still feel like that, uh, the ownership of the movie and you're just the writer and someone else is making it and all that stuff. Do you, do you still feel that like, this is my movie because you did the there's, script.
0: There's, there's definitely some ownership levels that kind of fade away as it happens, you know, mm-hmm. uh, once they take it over. It makes it fun to see the movie again. Like, I, I honestly don't get like upset or anything when they change it because I, I actually start enjoying the things they changed because they're the surprises. Yeah. So, usually, like, my biggest laugh is a laugh they added or something like that. Um, there mm-hmm. are some movies that are more me than others. There's movies that I've written that I didn't get credit on that I feel are closest to my draft than anybody else's, but just for the rules of credits and stuff. I did like the last draft and somebody else did the first draft. Mm -hmm. I didn't get credit. Um, so it just depends on the movie. Um, yeah.
1: All right. Does anyone else have any other questions? We need to wrap this up.
3: I think this has been great. I really appreciate the chat. This was very nice. Yeah. It's very informative.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, cool. Cool. Well, thanks for inviting me on. It was a lot of fun.
1: Great. Thanks for chatting with us, Jamie. Uh, where can our listeners find you?
0: So you can find me at Jamie underscore Nash on the Twitter box. Uh, just throw that in there, find me there. And then from there, you can find me everywhere else. So, but that's the best place to find me.
1: If you haven't yet, go back and check out this week's episode of Script Prompt 2, Retirement Home. and It is a political mystery thriller action comedy, and it's pretty exciting. You should give it a listen. Uh, You can find us on social, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Two. You can check out our website, ScriptPromptu.com. And if you'd like to support us, rate, review, and subscribe to the show. And check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash ScriptPromptu, for early access to all of our episodes, bonus content, and more. I'm out of here. Bye-bye now.
2: Later.
0: Okay, thank you. Bye-bye.